Entrepreneurs Over 40, Episode 48, with Karen Liz Albert talking about using social media for your business. An exercise that I do with my clients is we'll spend time actually looking at their existing customers and really writing down the names of what I call like your top 10 like the champions, right? They refer business to you, they're repeat clients, they're your cheerleaders. And then when you write down the names of those top 10 customers, then you want to see where you find consistencies. And consistencies will fall into the traditional demographics of marital status, income, race, gender, location. So when you kind of start to see that bubble up, then you want to also look at what we call psychographics. So that's where they spend their time and their money, their hobbies, kind of lifestyle stuff. You're listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40, the show for somewhat mature entrepreneurs and side hustlers. And now your host, Greg Mills. Our guest today is a social media consultant, speaker, author, and is the founder of Behind Your Curtain. She has 20 plus years experience in marketing, consulting, and professional training, and has successfully used her social media expertise to launch targeted social media marketing campaigns for business owners and entrepreneurs. When she isn't working in her business, she's a lead female singer in a local Denver band, performing top hits from several eras, including classic rock, funk, R&B, and more. She's also a volunteer at her local church and helps provide services for the homeless. Without further ado, Karen Liz Albert. Thank you so much, Greg. It's great to be here with you. I love that introduction. Thanks so much for that. Well, thank you, Karen. Now, could you take a few moments and fill in the gaps from that intro and bring us up to speed with what's going on in your world today? A lot of what you mentioned is still very relevant in my world today. I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to be um, a support system for small business owners and um, real estate professionals in just trying to help kind of navigate the crazy, unpredictable, ever-changing world of social media. I feel that I'm very blessed in the sense that I get to, in my profession, work life, that I get to consult and also motivate and educate and be creative. And I love the fact that I kind of translate that also over into the non-professional when I get to sing in the band at local places here in Denver. I get to motivate and inspire and uh, be creative. So in different aspects of it, it still kind of all ties in nicely together in that sense. Now, there's some standard questions that we always ask here on Entrepreneurs Over 40. And one of them's, did you come from an entrepreneurial background at all? Did anyone in your families have their own business? No, as a matter of fact, not at all. Both my parents were professionals. My mother actually ended up working her way in the legal field. She ended up getting appointed to the federal court by Clinton before he left office. And uh, my dad was an executive in Wells Fargo Bank. Uh, and so I went to school, went to college and went and did the nine to five grind for many years and uh, didn't even know that I had the entrepreneurial bug or spirit. But what's funny when you're in it for so long, you can look back at different times when you were in sort of the corporate world. I recognize that there were definitely elements to my personality that 
lend itself very well today as being an entrepreneur, like tending to sort of just plow forward and make decisions and not necessarily feel like I always had to consult the management, <laughs> you know? So that's you know, very much the entrepreneurial spirit, I think, in me. I found myself in 2010 in a very unusual, um, unfortunate position. I lost my mother, who was the federal court judge, to cancer really suddenly in like three months. And it just completely... I don't know if you've ever experienced anything that like literally shifts everything the way you look at life. And, and um, I just really didn't want to continue to do what I was doing. I sort of felt like I needed to do some soul searching and kind of find some purpose in that pain, you know? So I gracefully left the corporate world and decided I was just going to take some time to figure out what I wanted to do. And I really had no clue what I wanted to do. I wasn't even looking at social media as that component. I did have sales and marketing and I had worked somewhat with Facebook in the mid 2000s, but it really wasn't even something that I was considering until I kind of started helping out friends and <laughs> kind of volunteering for people because they knew. And I had a neighbor across the street who has a nonprofit organization and she came up to me and said, you know, you're not doing anything and you know that Facebook thing and <laughs> I need help. And so she didn't really give me the opportunity to say no. And I thought, okay, well, that's fine. That will be fun. So about 90 days later, fast forward, the uh, real estate agents that came and donated the space for the event came up to me and said, so how much can we, you know, charge to pay you to help us with our social media? And I was like, I'm going to get right back to you on that. <laughs> and that's literally how it all started. That's opportunity knocking, right? And, you know, fast forward to today, I, I feel so grateful and blessed that I'm able to help. I've helped thousands and thousands of small business owners and authors and real estate agents learn how to like effectively and strategically use social media. I've had many successes and many failures <laughs> over the years that I, uh, but you know, you're a little, uh, you got a little that crazy bug, right? When you're an entrepreneur, people think you're crazy. Like, why don't you just go get a full-time job? You just said, no way. I could not be employed by anybody else ever again. You're officially <laughs> unemployable. Exactly. <laughs> I'm officially unemployable. Yep. Wouldn't have it any other way. Now, what is the reasoning behind the name Behind Your Curtain? Yeah, so in that time where I was soul searching and figuring out what I was doing and volunteering my time, my daughter was actually in uh, musical theater. And so I was helping them out. I had... Um, you know, uh, some photography and videography experience. And so I was doing that, helping them promote the shows. And I was putting little videos and stuff together. And so after one of the shows, a parent had come up to the director and was talking to her and I was standing next to the director and she put her arm around me and said, this is the woman that's actually been behind our curtain. And I went, oh my gosh, that's a great name. So I went over to Google, right? I went to GoDaddy and I was like behind the curtain, 
no, that's not available. <laughs> behind my curtain, no, that's not available. But behindyourcurtain.com was available. And I was kind of annoyed because I had really wanted like behind the curtain or my curtain. But it's so much better because that's actually what I am. When clients hire me, I am behind your curtain. I make it look like you, but it's actually me behind your curtain. So a lot of People kind of get the Wizard of Oz sort of influence in there, which there is a little bit. There's no Dorothy or um, I wish I had the red shoes sometimes, but <laughs> it's just me behind your curtain doing some social media stuff for you. I can understand real estate agent professionals being part of your target market mm-hmm. from that story. What about authors? How did that come to, to pass? A lot of it really is that what... When you look at social media marketing, I always bring in my background of sales and marketing. And it's really no different from if we took away the fact that we're talking about Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and and really just looked at it from marketing 101 perspective, there pre-social media, pre-internet days, there was never a marketing campaign that was put together that didn't have a real clear understanding on who the audience was, right? Every campaign was written knowing the who it is that they're wanting to attract. You're never going to see a sugary cereal box cover of a mom doing yoga, right? That's (laughs) not their target market. So it's no different when you look at using social media. Most professionals think that social media is a platform that allows them to just pump a bunch of information about them and cross their fingers, kind of hope someone sees it. Yeah. But that's actually a very, what I call mistaking activity for progress. And so when I would have conversations with authors, they would say they're trying to get them as an author exposure. They're trying to get their book exposure. And I would always say, so who is your ideal reader? Who's your consumer? And you could kind of tell they would get this look on their face. And most of the time, which is the same answer I get from real estate agents, by the way, (laughs) they say, well, you know, everybody, anybody who would be interested in whatever I'm writing about. And unfortunately, while maybe big world perspective that might work for you, it doesn't work when it comes to social media. You really have to be clear, who is it that you're wanting to attract? And so over time, I just started working together with authors to help them to really start to think about, you know, not everybody's going to have an interest in what it is that you're writing. So let's get really clear on the who, and then let's craft a strategy to help you start to show up in front of that particular demographic. So you can start to be seen versus the, let me just put it out there and cross fingers, right? And hope someone sees it. What are some of the strategies that you use, especially with authors? Well, especially with authors, it is absolutely step one, helping them understand that demographic. So if you are writing a fictional story, that is going to possibly attract people that are of the millennial or the younger age, right? So everything gets crafted around that, meaning the keywords, the hashtags, your call to actions, your graphics, everything needs to be structured in a way that is going to help you start to show up in front of that particular community. So if you're catering to the baby boomers with whatever it is you're writing about, or maybe you're a vegan and you've put together a recipe book for that. I mean, that's a little bit easier to identify who your niche market is. I worked with an author who is the, I think he's the great 
great grandson of the Hatfield and McCoys. We all know about them, right? So he's in the McCoy side of the family. And he wrote like a trilogy, basically, about that kind of how that all came about and all of that. And he was frustrated because he wasn't really seeing anything in, in social media. But what he hadn't really thought about was who is it that's going to have an interest in that and really looking at that demographic and then, right, using his keywords and his hashtags and his content that was going to get in front of that particular demographic. Because there's very specific people that are going to be really interested and go, oh, that sounds so cool. I'd love to learn more about that Hatfield and McCoy, you know, maybe kind of like your country Western John Wayne kind of those kind of peeps, right? So that's who you're going to want to really focus on attracting instead of just putting it out there and again, crossing fingers and seeing someone, hoping someone sees it. Now, how far down the rabbit hole with, we'll stay with authors again, do you go? Because I could see an author, especially a first time author, putting out a book and Mm -hmm. doing very minimal advertising, not having a mailing list. Do you help them to set up a mailing list or is that something further down the road for them or? Yeah. So I don't really help them set up a mailing list, but what I will help them with is doing what's called a pre-launch. So a lot of times publishers will work with the author to help them, you know, build the baby, but then they get to this point because a lot of publishing companies will tell you that they'll help market the book but they don't do anything with social media and they don't want to. (laughs) So it's been a great collaborative relationship with me between um, publishing companies because about 90 days before book launch, they'll have their authors come to me and then we'll set up a whole pre-book launch campaign, which will consist of landing pages that'll help them build a list that they could do sign up pre-launch for a special pre-launch price or whatever, be the first to know when it comes available, that kind of a thing. But then from the email marketing side, that's not kind of my jam. I do have some experts that I can refer them to that'll build an email drip campaign and such, but I can help them pre-launch exposure to help them build a list. Now, what are some of the common problems that, you know, both authors and small businesses have with, with social media? I know I sound like a broken record, but I'll tell you the most common problem is them trying to get their product or service in front of everybody. And it just doesn't work. And I'll explain a little bit more behind that, why it doesn't work from more of a strategic algorithm perspective, Mm -hmm. because every social media platform has an algorithm, right? And every platform's algorithm has one primary goal. And that goal is to make sure that it keeps the user community happy. Because if they start to become unhappy, then they might leave, right? So the way that it ensures that it keeps the communities happy is that it monitors the behavior and activity of every single profile user. So it's profiling that user. So you and I, Greg, are basically dictating all day long what we see show up on our newsfeed because we tend to post about and engage with content that's very much in alignment with our lifestyle and our interests, right? So all of this is being monitored can be seem very big brother. Yeah, a little creepy, but Zuckerberg is spending millions of dollars on this predictive behavior analytics so that it can proactively create a very positive experience for the users. And so what happens is, and this even spills outside of Facebook, right? You go to Google and search for a pair of shoes 
Mm-hmm. Guess what's on your newsfeed, right? <laughs> when you get back. So what happens is once the algorithm gets a sense of what a user has an interest in, it goes and scans the millions of business pages looking for pages that produce content that might be right in alignment with what that user has an interest in. Make sense? If you're using your social media pages to be all about you and in everything to everybody, the algorithm doesn't have a profile called in everybody. So that's why I may sound like a broken record, but you've got to get clear on the who, because the algorithm wants to know who you are, what you do, how you do it, who you do it for, and also where you do it if geography is relevant to your model as well. Most of the time, people are all about, well, this is who I am and this is what I do and how I do it, but they really miss the who they do it for and and the where. And those are really the two critical questions that you have to be clear on. And that's when your social media strategy is literally based off of attracting that who. And and then it just becomes a lot easier because if you think about it, let's just say hypothetically that there is an author that is writing a book that is all about how to effectively train your spastic puppy, right? (laughs) So you could think, well, yeah, that probably is going to go in front of pet lovers, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. But the benefit of knowing pet lovers is now you can also think about, well, what are the other businesses that also cater to pet lovers? So vets, dog walkers, groomers, right? So you can start to create a connection and reach out and connect your business brand through social media to their social media businesses and start to become more visible and generate collaborative exposure that way. So it's not just you trying to gain exposure. You're able to leverage all of these other businesses as well. But it's really difficult to find out who those other businesses are if you're trying to get out there to everybody. Mm -hmm. Right? Makes sense? So that that's a long sense. answer to that question, but hopefully that that kind of helped clarify help. the challenges. Yeah, that helps clarify, but then it brings up the obvious question: How do you find out who your ideal, you know, mm-hmm. customer is or avatar is, or who is out there that is following you online and you don't even know it? Right. Yeah. It's it is a good question. A lot of times, what I tell business owners or real estate agents is. An exercise that I do with my clients is we'll spend time actually looking at their existing customers and really writing down the names of what I call like your top 10, like the champions, right? They refer business to you, they're repeat clients, they're your cheerleaders. And then when you write down the names of those top 10 customers, then you want to see where you find consistencies. And consistencies will fall into the traditional demographics of marital status, income, race, gender, location. So when you kind of start to see that bubble up, then you want to also look at what we call psychographics. So that's where they spend their time and their money, their hobbies, kind of lifestyle stuff, right? I do this a lot with my clients that are real estate agents because most of the time they're like, I just want anybody that has a pulse that's going to want to buy or sell real estate. And again, I get that from a business perspective, but doesn't work for social media. So we'll kind of invest time and, and do that. Um, I did that recently with a, uh, a realtor based out of Dallas, and she had no clue who who her who was. And so we did this exercise, and she bubbled up to the top in surprise that she had actually been working with quite a few divorced women. Well, 
she was a divorced woman. So the other thing that always comes kind of comes to become an aha moment is like attracts like every time. And it's and when it's organic like that, it just works, you know. So don't try and be round peg in a square hole. Be comfortable with who you want to work with and who you are naturally attracting. And so we really crafted a strategy to help her become more visible to the divorced women in her community and then also connect her with the professionals that also cater to that. So you've got divorce attorneys, right? You've got um, family therapists, possibly financial planners, estate planners, whatever's happening with the money in that situation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of taking a step back and looking at who you have been working with over the years tends to be a fantastic resource for you to identify a demographic that you could continue to craft a strategy and really want to attract. Now, what are two or three tips about marketing for social media, especially for small businesses, that people would find surprising? I think a lot of times when I talk about the whole feeding the algorithm, right, with the information that they need, is that a lot of times the small business owners really find that very surprising because they never really even knew that they had an opportunity to give the algorithm information. As a small business owner, advice that I can give with social media and really even as just a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, advice that I could give is when it comes to using social media is step one, try and figure out, get clarity on who it is you want to attract and make sure that you're really incorporating that in your content strategy and your community engagement strategy. Outside of social media as an entrepreneur, advice that I give to other small business owners and entrepreneurs is to really get clear on who you want to work with. Because I did the exact same thing about six years ago Prior to six years ago, when I started my company, I was literally trying to be in everything to everybody. And, oh, what do you need? Okay, I can do that. Oh, you need a website? Okay, I'll figure out how to, oh, you need a logo? Okay, I'll figure out how to do that. And, you know, you're not really serving anybody when you're trying to do that. And when I really realized that it was okay for me to say, you know, that's not my area of expertise, but I've got somebody I can refer you to and really pass it off so I could stay in my lane so that I could really hone in on my skills and my expertise so that when someone does come to me for social media marketing, coaching and and, um, and uh, assistance, they know that that's my niche. Like I'm the expert in that. I'm not trying to be spreading myself too thin. So it's really okay to say no (laughs) and find those other partners that you know have the better skills and the ability to kind of pass it off. And I would say the other thing too is it's also okay to fire a customer (laughs) and say, this isn't going to work. Thank you. But no, um, it's like any relationship. You have to set boundaries and you have to be really clear on what those boundaries are uh, because you could really be investing way too much energy in trying to make someone happy that really just doesn't want to be happy or they're not going to be happy for whatever it is that you do. And you're spending so much energy on that, that you might be missing out on this next customer that's in line waiting, that will be so in love with you and be so grateful. And as you start to 
do it more and more over the years. You start, to, I've gotten to a point where I can pick up pretty quickly someone that I just say, I don't think we're the best fit here. So let's, let me, let's just allow this to um, part ways. And if I got to give them back their money to me, okay, that's fine. It's not worth it basically. Right. Because right. there are so many out there that do value what it is that you have to bring and will pay you for what it is. Because the thing I've learned is it's never really about money. It's always about value. And if they don't value you and see your value, I don't care how much money you want to pay me. (laughs) It's not worth it. You know, I want to be valued and people will invest in that. But there's other ways to get compensated, right? Other than just through the dollars. It's all about having that relationship and the appreciation as well. So relationship, appreciation, respect, respect for your time, especially nobody wants that midnight phone call. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. And knowing that it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're right and they're wrong or vice versa. It just isn't always going to be a fit and just being okay with that, you know? And I discovered that I really like working with real estate agents. And that was a big, big reason for me about six years ago to say, you know, I'm not really going to continue to be everything to everybody. I really enjoy working with real estate agents. They really need what it is that I have to offer. And that's who I'm going to work on attracting. Kind of a concern that I get from a lot of business owners that say, Karen, I understand that you're telling me to go after this particular who, but I don't want to miss out, right, on all the others maybe. And it's actually the complete opposite that happens because if you're trying to be out there, everybody, everything to everybody, you're not being seen at all because the algorithm's going, I have no idea who you want me to put this information in front of. So I'm not going to put it in front of anybody. So when you get clear on the who, it really shines the spotlight on you and then it'll start to spill out over into the other demographics. But you got to pick one and you got to work strategically to get the attention of them so that you are actually going to start to be seen and get that ripple effect of exposure. It's 2022 when we're doing this. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you, what what online platforms do you see as being the best for small business right now? Yeah, it's a good question. I get that a lot. So. I'm never going to be the one that says you have to be on every social media platform. I'm the one that says you want to be on the one that is going to help you get in front of the community that you've agreed that you want to get invisible to. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, right now, the three platforms that I really primarily only focus on probably 95 percent of my time is Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Those are still platforms that you absolutely can become very visible to the community in those platforms. Um, You can still, uh, you know, gain the attention of the community and feed the algorithm and do things to help increase your visibility through search engine optimization. Twitter is a fantastic application platform to get information But to be seen on it is virtually impossible unless you're like this massive influencer or celebrity or somebody in politics. Right. It's it's really virtually impossible to be seen Mm -hmm. on there. And so for those of you out there that are listening and you feel like you got to be tweeting every single day, I would just go back and look at your analytics. And if you're not getting seen, just stop. (laughs) Just stop the tweeting, give yourself a break and breathe and spend that time that you're tweeting and go over to like Facebook or Instagram 
or LinkedIn. The other platform is YouTube that a lot of people say, I'm, I'm building a channel and I'm doing tons of video and I'm really excited about that strategy. And yeah, YouTube is a fantastic platform to look to as more of a repository for all of the video and the content that you are building. Um, it, it absolutely helps increase the your professionalism and your brand online. But again, it's really hard to show up in front of people in the demographic in search engine results in YouTube. It's really hard. (laughs) And so unless you're pumping out a whole lot of video content, I mean, like a lot, or you've been on YouTube for like 15 years, it's difficult to get on that first page of YouTube search results. So I'm not saying don't be on YouTube, but just know realistically you know, it's probably not going to generate a whole bunch of new business and, and leads for you. And I say all of this with the caveat of if you have a very specific marketing strategy, a campaign like a lead gen campaign, and you've chosen to utilize, you know, YouTube as the platform to drive traffic to, that's an entirely separate like marketing campaign approach. What I talk about is organic. I'm not on the paid side because there's a, there's a lot of success you can see on the paid side, but some of them, you got to really have deep pockets and pay to play in some of those platforms. Um, And on the paid side in YouTube, you can be seen again. I'm just talking about organic, right? If people Mm -hmm. are thinking about, I got to go in and do some posts. What's the best platform for me to go in and do some posts. So I know that I'm seeing some return on your efforts. I was going to ask you about that in regards to Facebook, because I've heard that advertising on Facebook used to be a lot more effective and now it's not. Has that been your experience? Well, it's still very effective. It's just, unfortunately, it used to be a lot easier to get in front of the demographic. But when you, when you kind of know how to navigate the paid side of Facebook ad campaign, it still can be very, very effective. It's just they've made it a little bit harder and complicated. But that's just because if you look at like Zuckerberg's been under the thumb of all of this scrutiny, right? So mm-hmm. the, the whole thing around the, the insinuations that Facebook has just let anybody do anything and not really have any sort of strict controls. So there's a lot more stricter controls that they've had to put into place. But if you understand how to navigate those controls you can still absolutely be seen for sure. I imagine that if you really know your audience and you know their demographics, Mm -hmm. that you could really dial it in with Facebook. Exactly. Absolutely. Because if you're just putting an ad out there and you're like, well, I'm going to reach anybody in the entire United States. (laughs) That's not really the best use of your dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to get narrow. Now, what used to work well in, in marketing for social media that does just doesn't work anymore? I would say that it used to be that you could, as a business, utilize your business page in a way that didn't require quite as much of a strategy. You used to be able to post and the algorithm would actually show your content to a much larger percentage of the population. And then what happened is that the algorithm shifted to be more, uh, you know, 
critical about the type of content that business pages were posting and whether that content was adding value to the community. And it was all basically saying, if you're just posting junk, it's not going to be seen. Well, we don't consider our content junk, right? But the algorithm is like, you've just put another post on there that's just all about you. And that's really what it comes down to. The algorithm is very protective over the personal user Facebook community. And it's just not going to toss stuff out on a user's newsfeed if it feels like it's just not going to add any value. So as a business owner, it definitely has become much more complicated. However, if you know now how to strategically use your business page and how to feed the algorithm so that it does see value in what you post, that's really where the game changer um, is. And a lot of business owners will say, yeah, I don't see any uh, benefit in using my business page because I don't get any engagement. And so I just do everything on my personal. And I get that for sure. You're seeing crickets on your business side, but you're getting you know 50 likes and comments on your personal. That makes sense. You would lean more towards your personal. But the thing that I just warn business owners about that is that you know Facebook does frown on businesses using their personal page as business. So it's a very delicate dance and you got to make sure that you are not just always using it for business. Cause I've had a lot of uh, businesses that have reached out to me and said, Karen, I'm in, I've been shut out. I'm in Facebook jail because they were really heavily using their, their personal side. Um, and the other thing too is your community, if you are a business owner, your community wants to support you as a business, but they can't write reviews on your personal page. They can't really refer, right, business to, let me send you to Sandy's personal page because she's an amazing financial planner. I don't want to find a financial planner by seeing, you know, Sandy that is on the back porch and she's having a glass of wine. (laughs) That's not the information that's going to help me decide if I want Sandy as my financial planner. I want to be able to go look at her from a business brand perspective. That's why it's important that you want to build a really good, impressive business brand on these social media platforms and then just understand how you can start to be seen by the community. Do you advocate that people try to drive traffic to the sites that they control to their own personal real estate, just in case that they did get put into Facebook jail at some point. Um, so are you saying if they got cut out of Facebook that they have a a website or something? Yeah, exactly. And I'm not just picking on Facebook. This could happen with any platform. Oh yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, you can send people to a website, but websites are sort of like an island, right? You don't really know (laughs) who's on that island. You can't get there. Social media is more on the mainland. When you're off the mainland, it's hard to connect with people when you don't have the names and the emails and the phone numbers and the addresses and that kind of stuff. It's important to just really work on not getting (laughs) in Facebook jail or any social media jail. It's just a matter of understanding the guidelines and being respectful of how much you're going to do on your personal and how much you're going to do on your business. Is there any guideline that would surprise people? And is there a remedy for once you're, I guess we'll pick on Facebook that for getting out of the jail or detention hall? Gosh, I wish my heart breaks for some clients that I have that have just been like completely shut out. The frustrating thing with Facebook is there's no human you can talk to, right? They send you emails that are incredibly ambiguous. 
they don't really, they say, okay, well, provide us this with this information and then you comply. And then you literally just have to sit and wait and you never know. I have a, a client of mine who's a lender and she just got completely shut out. She had to jump through hoops to give them all this information. And to this day, she's never been let back in. She's gone in and just had to start all over again. It's so frustrating when that happens. And a lot of times I will get contacted from my clients that say, I can't advertise on Facebook anymore all of a sudden. And it doesn't make any sense. You know, they, and the fact that they are really kind of just keeping people hostage in, in that situation, in that instance, it's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a magic button, right? (laughs) Just push this and then you'll get back in. Yeah. I've heard the same thing said about uh, Amazon as well. Oh, really? Uh, Authors or people that have a sales account with them have been banned and they're welcome to buy on Amazon, but you know, they can't sell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They'll always be welcome to buy, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that one doesn't happen to anybody out there listening. So going back to to the Facebook example, and I, I harp on a uh, platform that I'm not even on. My wife and I made a decision early on that we weren't going to be on Facebook. But how much is advertising? How much would your ad budget be for a small business typically to be effective? It really kind of does depend on the type of business that you have. And I know that that sounds ambiguous, but um, there are certain businesses that can do really, really well without having to have a huge ad spend. Like real estate agents, if they know how to organically really maximize the use of showing up in front of their community, right? Mm -hmm. But then there are some businesses where um, that sort of organic approach isn't really helping you get seen by a very specific demographic. Um, And so what I generally recommend is to just create about three or four different ads Start with a very small budget, but also start very hyper local. So do not try and go after everybody in the United States. Find geo pockets that you feel would be really good. And if you're if you are a service based business in a geographical area, then just start out in that, you know, small 20, 25 mile radius and just start with like two bucks a day and just see what kind of return that you're getting. And then you can play around with the radius. You can play around with the copy. So you don't have to have ridiculous amounts of money like you possibly do if you wanted to advertise on Google. You can still be seen for a reasonable amount of money on Facebook. Now, let's switch gears just a little bit. What are you working on now that's new and exciting for you? So new and exciting for me, thank you, is I'm actually working on taking my proprietary program that I've actually copyrighted the name of it and I've got a copyright seal and I am working on resale option approach for other digital marketing agencies that would be interested in taking my program and learning how to sell that to their customers. So my program, while I have what's called a 30-day social media facelift, nobody else can use that name, but they can slap another name on it. And I basically have built the entire machine, right? From the the sales calls, sales emails, scripts, everything all the way up to once they get into the program, 
it's a well-oiled machine so that I can just say, okay, agency, pay me X amount of dollars a month to have access to this online program that'll walk you through how to do it. And then I don't have to be quite so much on the fulfillment side, right? So that's kind of the new exciting thing that I'm looking forward to helping other agencies have a new product that they can start to offer to their clients. Because again, while I do it for real estate agents, they can do it for, they could say, I want to do it for dentists, or I want to do it for plumbers, or I want to do it for roofers. It applies to any type of business. It's just, you want to brand it, right? So that it does actually have that specific attraction. I'm doing this for plumbers, or I'm doing this for dentists. So there's no behind your curtain branding on it. Not at all. It's completely white labeled. So they can take it and stamp their own logo on it. They just can't call it 30-day social media facelift. Okay. So if anybody out there is listening, this sounds like it'd be a pretty good opportunity to add to your social media toolkit. Yeah, it is. And there's a lot of social media agencies out there that they will offer just the ongoing monthly, you know, let me take it over for you, um, which I don't do. (laughs) Um, And so this is kind of a nice plug-in piece that you can do with your client before they start the ongoing monthly. So it's helping them craft a strategy, get a really good looking, impressive brand, own their, how they're showing up, get in front of a specific demographic, get very clear on the who and the where, which then will make them even more successful doing the ongoing monthly because they'll then know exactly who they should be attracting for this client that's paying them to do social media for them on a monthly basis. A lot of um, monthly social media marketing services sort of just do, um, you know, kind of a, well, let's just make sure we've got something out there, right? Mm -hmm. Just to have something out there. But it's really not about quantity. It's really about quality. And so if they can start to understand more about the algorithm and how to get the attention in the algorithm. And all of that is everything that I teach is a part of the program. So the agencies would learn a lot and then they'd be able to flip it and start teaching and and offering that to, to their customers as well. Okay. How would somebody uh, approach you or how would they find out more about it? Yeah. And anybody can go to my website, which is behindyourcurtain.com. And right on the top folds of the website, there is a uh, schedule a consultation call. And so they'll be able to identify if they're wanting to hire me as, uh, you know, as a strategist for them, or if they're interested in learning more about how they can acquire the the facelift program for their Mm -hmm. own agency. Now, what's been the most difficult part of running behind behind your curtain for you? (laughs) Gosh, <laughs> it changes <laughs> all the time, right? It's very inconsistent. I mean, there's there's the ebbs and flows of the income, right? <laughs> so there's always that. There's the continuation of the uh, of the the uh, lead gen component of it. Um, it's finding really good uh, uh, staff and um, being able to constantly know that you are exceeding expectations and creating new ways to add value. And, um, you know, I mean, 
I love it and I wouldn't change a thing, but there are definitely days where I go home. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I wore a hundred different hats today. You know, there's just challenges to keep up with it all, but they're great challenges because when you hit a ceiling, right, that Mm -hmm. just means that you got to reevaluate what you've got going on so that you can shift and adjust and scale because it's all about scalability. If you can't grow, then that means that you need to probably look at efficiency tools and resources. And sometimes we don't like to look at those, but you have to constantly to say, could I tweak this and be doing this a little bit better? And could this allow me to back some of my time and invest that into another area where I know that that's going to help my company scale? So it's this constant ripping it open and evaluating how you're doing things. Okay. Now let's get ready to wrap this up. I'm going to ask you one question that we alluded to in your bio, but I really hadn't explored. Why is giving back to the community so important for you? Well, I'm a Christian. And so I do believe that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. I mean, we're all human beings, right? We're all just trying to get through the day the best that we can. And Mm -hmm. I feel incredibly fortunate that my day doesn't consist of being homeless or trying to figure out where I'm going to get my next meal or health problems or all of the things that I'm so blessed that I don't have that problem. So I feel that for those that might be dealing with those problems, if I could just make their day just a little less, you know, hard, then I feel like I, I've done I've done the good deed. <laughs> no. Because we've all been there, right? We've all had those times. It's all been hard. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just like Pollyanna here and everything's always coming up roses. There's been very, very hard, difficult times. All right. What's the number one piece of advice that you can give for our listeners? Number one piece of advice. I think I would probably say that if you truly are passionate about what you are doing is to just allow that to be your driver because there's going to be a lot of things that are going to try and attack you and push you off course. (laughs) There's a lot of shiny objects. There's a lot of things that people might want to introduce into your life that make it sound like, oh yeah, that's the next best thing. But there is such great reward when you can stay focused and stay on track and just Don't allow those other shiny objects to really push you off track because it may not happen overnight. (laughs) It may not happen tomorrow or next year, but I guarantee you that if you know in your core that this is what you're supposed to be doing, just keep on doing it because someone out there and maybe even more than one is not only going to need what it is that you have to offer, but they're also going to be watching you. And you need to know that you are leading by example. And I have a lot of friends that are entrepreneurs and they are like the bouncing ball. (laughs) They're on this thing one week and then the next month they're calling me to talk to me about something else that they're doing. I have complete love for what it is that they are wanting to do because they're very passionate, but they're also very distracted. So if I can just give you one point of advice, find out what your true love and your calling and your passion is and just stay on course. Okay. Now, what's the best way for people to check you out and get in touch with you? 
Thank you. It's behind your curtain pretty much everywhere. Behind your curtain on Instagram, Facebook. I'm Karen Liz Albert on LinkedIn. My website is behind your curtain. I'm also Karen Liz Albert on uh, my personal Facebook page as well. So anybody follow me, connect with me. I'm always putting out new tips and tricks and videos and stuff on my YouTube channel. Anybody that wants to schedule a free call with me too, happy to chat with you if you need some guidance and just some clarity on next steps for your marketing, social media for your business. Okay. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you, Karen, for being a guest on Entrepreneurs Over 40. Thanks so much, Greg. My pleasure. Mine as well. Check out the newly redesigned Entrepreneurs Over 40 website at www.entrepreneursover40.com. While you're there, sign up to get updates from us. Also, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss any other episodes. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40. Check us out at entrepreneursover40.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory.